Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.high5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me in the Above180.com podcast is Ron Clifton. Ron has been coaching bowling for 25 years. He's also a contributor with BowlingThisMonth.com. For more on Ron, you can find him at BowlForFun.com. That's Bowl, the number four, Fun.com. Ron, it's Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Tim. This is my first time here. Looking forward to it. All right, Ron. Well, let's begin. I thought I'd get your perspective. I've talked to a couple different coaches on how they handled things during this pandemic, and I wanted to see how things are from your perspective there in North Carolina. So you had clinics set up all up and down the East Coast 2020. Those were all canceled when everything uh, else was canceled, frankly, as far as bowling goes for much of us. Um, But how are things looking now for you, and and where do you see things in 2021 as things begin to uh, slowly reopen here? Well, I'm certainly hoping that the vaccine will actually work and we'll be able to go back to normal. We did have to cancel a lot of clinics. I've been doing some clinics with the Hall of Famer Marianne DeRupo, and we had to cancel some sold-out clinics. Um, we, we're working now toward getting another one up in New Jersey Father's Day weekend where hopefully everything will be back to normal well enough that we can pull that one off. So I'm looking forward to doing clinics again. In the meantime, I've been doing just one-on-ones, maybe one or two people at a time, trying to do some social distancing while doing lessons, although sometimes that can be hard and wearing the mask is hard. But, you know, we, we have to keep living our lives, I guess. Yeah. Did you do or have you done any of the virtual lessons? Have you tried those or is that just not your thing? You know, I've thought about it many times over the years. Um, To do it the way I would want to do it is extraordinarily time-consuming, more than you would ever think. So I've avoided it up to this point. Once in a while, some guys that I coach will, you know, they'll send me videos and I'll send them comments back and things like that. But trying to do what Mr. Baker's doing on the West Coast, so far I don't think that's really for me right now. But I hope it works out well for him because there's there's very few really good coaches in the country, and 
you know, you have thousands of bowlers spread all over the United States and even the world for that matter. So we're all spread pretty thin. And when it comes to bowlers, now most have been back on the lanes for a, for quite a while now, for, for at least some time. And, um, and when people had that amount of time off and they're back on the lanes, I guess, what do you think or what would have been some of the things? And, and even now, I mean, now people are in that, you know, they're starting to prepare for tournaments. What's your advice for someone preparing for their city state and then coming up here, hopefully, in, um, in starting later this year, the USBC Open Championships in Vegas? Well, one of the most important things this is exercise a little bit. Get your body back into shape. People don't realize how much exercise bowling actually is until you stop bowling for three months and try to come back. You know, when you're, when you're first coming back, don't jump out on the lanes and bowl 10 games or you'll surely pay for it the next two or three days. Your hand is likely going to shrink a lot, so none of your balls are going to fit anymore. You know, give your hand time to swell back up. Don't run out and get all your grips changed in your balls because you think that somebody broke in your house and stole all your balls and replaced them with someone with bigger, bigger hands. Excuse me. So, you know, get your legs working. Slowly build up on the games. Try to get some reps in. A lot of bowling is, a, is pretty much like riding a bicycle. You won't forget how to do it all together. But you will definitely be rusty for a while. And, Ron, for the younger people out there, maybe they, um, they weren't able to go to junior gold because it was canceled, or they had some of their, maybe they were a senior in college or, or something, and they had their, their, their events canceled and they were finished, I guess, um, and they're, you know, now they've, they've moved on or what have you. What, um, what do you say to them, or what are your thoughts regarding them on how they, they can't necessarily get that year back if they were in junior gold, per se, per se but, but how, can they, um, how can they stay crisp on the lanes and look forward to that next year. Yeah. You just kind of have to get out on the lanes and throw shots. Um, it's, it's really devastating that so many youth bowlers lost an entire year of college. Um, I, I've worked a lot with Kayla Bandy, who was the coach of Maryland Eastern shore. And they had to can they canceled their whole program for the year. And she's moved on now and starting a whole new thing. So, and she was there. They were the MEAC champions last year, the last year they got to bowl. So you really can't ever replace that, but your dreams never stand still. So you just have to get out on the lanes and uh, to get the reps in and see what your next path is. Hopefully, we've got some colleges back bowling again now. Thank goodness. And the ones that graduated, you know, you have to get out there and make your living and try to bowl some on the weekends and get in some tournaments and keep that competition spirit alive. You mentioned people are getting back out there bowling. I myself have been enjoying watching the PBA Players Championship as they, they go through and show each of the regions. I'd love to get your perspective, though. In your coaching, you've coached you know numerous PBA title holders, USBC Hall of Famers, all sorts of folks. Is, is there anyone that sticks out to you of, of someone who you've coached, and you can obviously share from where they started to where they are now? Well, I guess the standout at this moment has to be Kyle True. You know, he's become a PBA superstar, not only in his bowling ability, but in the way he interacts with fans and the way he represents the PBA. Uh, I started working with Kyle probably about 11 years ago. Uh, he introduces me as the guy that taught him how to bowl, but that's not really right. He was already a bowler, and he, I think he had a regional title or two before we started working together. 
but he couldn't seem to get a check out on the national tour. So he's come the farthest and worked the hardest to get there of anyone I've ever worked with. Um, he really has become a shining star, and he continues to work every day. He doesn't ever slow down. And every every day since he lost his mother, he's he feels like that he owes it to her to be the best he can be, as he said on TV recently. So I think he really is trying to be the best he can be. Um, all these guys, you know, they just bowl their hearts out. And I've worked with a lot of guys that went out on the national tour who were stars in their local regions and found out that they simply were not good enough, that those guys are definitely the best in the world, and most of them come home with their tail between their legs, but with some good stories to tell. But it looks like Kyle's out there, and he's going to be able to hold his own, and I'm very proud of him. Uh, I, I get tickled every time I see him on TV now. Yeah, when it come, when you said before you started working with him, he had a couple of regional titles. What was it in his game? Where where was he missing that, I guess, you could almost say that it factor that you helped him to see and then uh, communicate to him and get him to that next level? Well, Kyle was very much a one-trick pony. Um, he could throw the ball 100 miles an hour down the two board and use urethane, and if that shot was there, he could strike with anybody. One of his two titles, I think he won off of Bill O'Neill, who was, I think it was just player of the year. But if he had to move in and go to reactive balls and curve the ball more, change ball speeds and things like that, he was really lacking in that. He really didn't know how to do it. And to be honest, two-handed bowling was pretty new back then. So there wasn't a lot of knowledge out there even by me. So... I worked, I think I worked first on trying to control his ball speed. He just could throw the ball so hard. And I, I never even understood how he could throw it that hard. It was amazing how hard. And if you think back, when Belmo first came out on tour, he threw the ball hard all the time too. But all these two-handed bowlers have learned to adjust their ball speed and adjust their axis rotation and not throw it 100 miles an hour all the time so their ball has time to read the lane, which creates forgiveness. So with Kyle, we spent a lot of time on changing ball speeds, changing axis rotation, and playing deeper and deeper on the lane and throwing it to break points so that he could play any angle on the lane. And these days in the PBA, you absolutely have to be able to play from the one board on the right lane to the one board on the left side of the lane. So versatility is the key nowadays. And you mentioned those people that you've worked with that went out there and tried it on tour and then came home. I'm guessing that was one of the things – they were lacking. They had a, uh, they had an A game, but they didn't necessarily have a, a B, C, and D game that would be able to get him through. Uh, you know, maybe a, a game in a block or a couple games in a block where they, the other, the pros out there, like you said, they have enough enough different tricks in their tool bag that they're able to to change things and and grind through a uh, anything any condition they run into. Yeah, versatility has really become the key. You know, I'm I'm old, I'm 64, and I watched the tour in the 1970s when everybody mostly threw it down second arrow with plastic balls and rubber balls. And it, bowling is a totally different game now, which I actually enjoy it more as a coach because I guess I like complications. I like to figure out things. And I was pretty good at figuring out how to make the new equipment work and how to, how to get bowlers to match up to lanes you know when i started bowling there they've hardly put any oil on the lane so nowadays we have all the fancy oil patterns and things 
and it makes it more complicated. And the lanes change every time they throw a ball. And you have to remember that the pros are all throwing brand new equipment and they all have very high rev rates. And they have to put a lot of oil on the lane and the oil has to be very slippery. So the lanes change very rapidly. And those guys are so good. If you just get three frames behind in your adjustments, you're, you're out of the cut because you can't give those guys three frames. And missing a spare, you might as well go home. So versatility is the name of the game now. They have to be able to start on the right gutter and work their way over until they're tossing it over the left gutter if you're right-handed. The left-handers don't have to move quite as much, but even they have to move a lot these days, especially they have to know tricks when the right-handed bowlers start laying the ball down on the left side of the lane. All right, and then my final question on the tour. I know, you know, it was very – it was a great idea by, by Tom Clark and everyone out there on tour to have these different – um, regionals and then bringing everyone together uh, and because it has gave us the opportunity to see some some different people on TV that we might not necessarily see but um, but I'm guessing they hope they can get everyone back under one roof and ru- ru- you know run your traditional uh, sort of championship but to me that's been one of the the things that stuck out is there anything in, in watching and we we still have one left here one region left to watch the south region but is there anything that you've kind of noted uh, when you've been watching these weeks as far as uh, some of the players we're seeing out here and, and some of the competition that we've been uh, treated to yes the the talent out in the in the at the regional ranks is really unbelievable these days we have, we have guys that in the region that could be stars, that would be big-time stars, you know, just 10 years ago on tour. Uh, people that you've never heard of or I've never heard of are coming out and throwing the ball. And they're being able to throw shots under pressure. Uh, some of them are a little better at adjusting than others, but a lot of that just takes time. Uh, part of the problem you have when you're a young man and you go out on tour there, there's no coaching or anything that can replace the experience of actually bowling on tour. And so it's hard to get enough tour stops in to get the experience before you go broke because they don't hand out checks for participation. So uh, the amount of talent out on tour these days is astounding. And I think a lot of that is because so many colleges are, are really developing coaches and developing bowlers these days. And the bowlers that come out on tour out of college have a big head start over where bowlers, say, from the 1970s. You know, they just came out of a local bowling center. They were pretty good, so they thought they'd try the pro tour. You know, they had a learning curve, too, but it's not anything like we have to learn today. As you're out there practicing and preparing for tournaments, please remember, check out h5gbrands.com. You'll want to look sharp as well. H5G Brands, the official jersey provider of the PBA Tour since 2013. Check them out at h5gbrands.com. Thousands of dye-supplemented jerseys to choose from. No hidden artwork fees. Again, check everything out, h5gbrands.com. Use promo code ABOVE180. That will get you $20 off your order. Promo code ABOVE180 for $20 off your order. As you're preparing for team, city, state, USBC Open Championships, you'll want to get your orders in with them, get everything going, no hidden artwork fees. They walk you through the process very straightforward. Also, check out their website, h5gbrands.com, where you can find PBA replica jerseys, always running specials and deals there. So check that out again. Everything you need at your fingertips, h5gbrands.com. 
Ron, let's move on here again. Ron Clifton joining me in the Above180.com podcast. Ron, you also are a contributor with Bowling This Month. Lots of great content there, uh, yourself included. You're in the middle of a, a series called, called How the Internet Videos Can Ruin How Internet Videos Can Ruin Your Release, Part One and, and Two are up there right now. So I want everyone to take a look. But let's briefly go through those and let's start with part one. Where um, where everyone can view uh, view that article, even if you're not a subscriber for, for free. So again, check that out. But but let's talk about that. And, and this one, you discuss how honesty is the best policy. Yes, I you know I noticed one day that I spend a lot of time fixing bowlers' releases, and the bowlers that I'm working with all had a common denominator. Now I'm not talking about professional bowlers. I'm talking about maybe re- weekend warriors and league bowlers. Th- these are bowlers that, that come to me saying that my release is all messed up and I, I'm, I'm totally lost. And I'll always ask the question, have you been watching interviews or not interviews? Have you been watching videos on the Internet and watching the pros in slow motion? And almost everyone says yes. So what happens is they watch the pros releases and they try to copy what they do. And the average person cannot do that. And they end up destroying their release in the process. And, you know, there's a reason the pros are pros. You know, we can't go out and drive a car like Richard Petty. Shows you how old I am. I'm talking about Richard Petty. So we have to learn to do stay within our framework, what we're able to do as individuals. And the honesty is the best policy is that you have to understand you're not a professional bowler. The professional bowlers are not going to be meeting you on Wednesday night league. So you don't need to do the release they do. You don't bowl in the conditions that they bowl on. You know, if pros came in and bowled in your Wednesday night league, you might be surprised how much they would struggle because their rev rates are so high. They're generally their ball roll is so end over end that their, their ball would be under over like unbelievable. It touches the outside drive and the, dry and the ball overhooks. Uh, the oil in the middle of the lane, which is nice hold oil for the average league bowler, is not nearly enough for these guys. So even if you manage to do some of that release, if you don't have the professional knowledge that goes along with it, your scores are not going to increase. They're likely to go down. So that's why I decided to write the article to tell people You know, sure, Randy Peterson on the TV show does a marvelous job, and he explains what the the professional bowlers do, but he's just explaining to you what those guys do. That doesn't mean that you should go out and do it yourself. So these guys do it, and they get all messed up, and they end up with lower scores than where they started. So I decided to write an article about it, and it's, it's turned out to be pretty popular. Well, and then the other thing, your your people you coach there, they don't always take account is the the ball driller, your, your pro shop knows how you throw the ball, so they drill the ball to to fit your role. And if you're going out and changing your role, now your equipment's doing stuff that you might not know what it's going to be doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and they don't know that, you know, the average bowler doesn't know about changing surfaces and all, all those things, which I think I wrote about in part two. Um they're really better off if they just learn to be able to repeat shots and change their axis rotation. If you want to score high in league, you need to be able to change your axis rotation and to some degree ball speed. But axis rotation to me, uh, which means for people that don't really know, is 
the more side spin you put on the ball is, is the more axis rotation, or it's like if you're driving your car and you turn the steering wheel hard left, think about what the left front tire is doing. You, your lower rev rate bowlers do better with more axis rotation, and high rev rate bowlers have to have very little axis rotation. Well, and then in part two, you also discuss some of the things that, again, when you you know you start going through, it, the article is titled "Time to Break the Rules," and you talk about some things that everyone should be thinking about. But the one thing you say is, you know, we need to create room for air. We need to be able to have again, this is league, you know, you need to be able to have a few room, a few boards to the left and a few boards to the right, and still strike. And if your ball isn't doing that, you need to. <laughs> Really, really, you know, reevaluate if that should be the the piece you have in your hands when when the uh, lights go on and we're done with practice. Yeah, that's absolutely true. People, again, you know, from the time we're very young, we're told by all the the coaches and the the people who would like to be helping you that maybe don't really know what they're doing. They say, "What? Stay behind the ball. Stay behind the ball. Stay behind the ball." So we learn to stay behind the ball. That creates very little axis rotation, and that creates very little room for error on a league shot. You have to remember on a league shot, they put very thin oil from 10 to the gutter. They usually put heavy oil, if you're lucky, from the second arrow on each side. So you have like a river of oil running down through the center of the lane. And you need to get around the ball. You need to get your hand on the side of the ball to be able to take advantage of that. Uh, if you're up the back of the ball like everybody tries to get you to be, the only thing you can do is try to play down the oil line. And if you miss a little bit right, the drawer boards will send your ball through the center of the head pin and you get a split. If you miss a little bit left, all that oil will just have your ball skid into the pocket. And, yeah, you'll hit the pocket, but you'll leave a lot of corner pins. You're a lot better off usually if you can move five to seven or eight or whatever boards left and get around the ball more send the ball from the river out to the dry. That'll energize the ball more, and you'll be surprised. Guys that have three boards worth of area or four boards worth of area at their break point now have seven to eight boards worth of area and still strike. So it's hard to beat a guy who has eight boards worth of area, although we see them in league every week. I hear about them. Yeah, that guy is nowhere near as good as me, and he throws the ball everywhere, but he still strikes. Well, yeah, but he's matched up to the oil pattern you're bowling on. You're not bowling on the on the PBA tour. You're bowling in your Wednesday night league. Yeah, and then the one other thing I guess that I don't know if I've ever really hit on these shows is is our practice session. Let's say we get 15 minutes of practice. What what sort of mindset should we be in as we begin that practice, and then as that practice counts down to you know times up, you know we're going going live. Yeah, I, I think you need to use that 15 minutes of practice to see which ball you're going to throw. People tend to have a lot of balls these days. And then what surface it should have on it. And I suggest that you should be able to lay your balls out on the rack. And I number balls like one through four. And the number one ball is the ball that rolls the soonest. The ball that would like to hook at your toe if there's not a lot of oil on the lane. And the number two ball goes a little farther down the lane. And number three goes a little farther. And then if you want, you can have little subgroups like this ball goes down the lane well, but it continues left for a right-handed bowler. It has a lot of continuation where this ball goes about the same distance, but it's smooth and, and it doesn't overreact on the back end. 
And I suggest people start, believe it or not, with their earliest rolling ball, stand left, put some axis rotation on it, and if that ball rolls so early that it burns up before it gets to the head pin, then, then go to ball number two. People tend to bowl with a ball that's like in the middle of their arsenal. They'll they'll have this this go-to ball or their their I forget what they call it. Oh, the bench ben, benchmark is a is a common phrase. Benchmark ball. There you go. Well, the benchmark ball is great, except for people get lost if that's not the right ball. They don't know whether they should which way to go. So my philosophy is in practice, if we start in the basement, we have nowhere to go but up. But if you start in the middle of your steps, you don't know if you should go up a step or down a step because it can be confusing. And I'll tell you, I before the COVID thing, I went to a lot of tournaments. And when bowlers would walk up to me and go, really, I'm not doing well, Ron. What do you think I should be doing? I'll say, well, you're throwing the wrong ball. And they'll say, well, what ball should I throw? And I'll go, I don't know your balls, but the ball you're throwing isn't rolling soon enough. You need a ball that rolls sooner so you can move left and go around it. That's not the way most bowlers think. They think, well, my ball is hooking too much, so I need a shinier ball, a ball that goes longer. And sometimes that's the right answer, but more often than not, I'll have people go to a duller ball or earlier rolling ball so that they can smooth out the back end reaction. Yeah, that's one thing I think that sometimes bowlers – the, the one of the misconceptions that we have myself included sometimes it's it's hard to catch yourself in some of these pitfalls but you right away think oh it's a it's a maybe a drier shot or or something it's a house shot i shouldn't really throw surface i i need to throw something that's shiny when in reaction in reality that's uh, almost one of the last things you want to do now you don't probably want it at 360 or 500 but you want some sort of surface on it to keep that ball a predictable role. Yeah, that's right. The average league bowler has no idea what it means to change surface. And I'm I'm willing to bet that anybody who listens to your podcast, if they don't have them now, go out and invest in a few uh, Aberline pads or whatever they want to use these days. And what I tell people to do is like take three of your favorite balls and use Use a 4,000 grit, even polish. Get them as shiny as you can get them. And go out and practice with them. And then hit them with a 2,000 pad and bowl with them for a while. And then hit them all with a 1,000 pad and bowl with them a while. And even a 500 pad. And you'll start to see ball reactions out of those balls that you've never seen before. And that's the best way to learn what surface does for each individual ball. Because surface doesn't do the same for every ball. So the only way to ever find out is to go out there with some shiny balls, bring gradually bring the surface down, and you'll see the reactions you get. And I do that with people sometimes, and they stand there with their mouth open. They had no idea they could take the same ball and move six boards left and now have three or four more boards worth of area at the break point, and the ball still strikes. And it's all because of getting the right surface on the ball. Well, and the one thing regarding new equipment that uh, I'm out here in Arizona and, and a coaching friend of mine, Jordan Nasberg, always says is the only time you have that new ball and that new surface is right out of the box. You're never going to get that back again, per se. And his his thought is always, and you know, I know coaches have different opinions, but his is always to almost immediately put something on it to so you know what it's at 
because it won't be the same. You know, once you start rolling it down the lane, it's never going to be new again unless you get a new ball. That that's exactly right. And remember, I said on the pro tour, the pros are all throwing brand new balls. And if you get to go the to pro practice, that's one of the best times to go watch a tour stop. Is go on the day when they have what they call pro practice. And these guys walk out with these brand new balls and they throw a few down the lane and the, and the ball rep picks up the ball and starts changing the surface on it. They just got it off the drill press and they're already changing the surface on it. <laughs> You're not going to hurt your ball and it's never going to roll like it was when it was brand new again. That's one of the advantages that the tour pros have is they can drill a new ball every day if they want to. But we can't do that in league. We can't do that as a weekend warrior. You know, we have to pay for our balls, and they're too expensive. So learn to use those surface pads. You'll be surprised how much you can take, bring your ball back to life. All right. Well, Ron Clifton, want to thank you for being here today on the podcast. All the best of luck, and and uh, I certainly need to catch up with you more. It's very insightful. Brought some great information for everyone out there listening, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon, Ron. If people are interested in, uh, they're on the East Coast or they're looking for a lesson with you. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, email me at rclifton at triad.rr.com or go to my to my website bowl four the number four bowl four fun.com you'll find my email address there um and sure if you're on the west coast i have people i've had people come from five different countries for lessons so i'm always willing to work with individuals when they come through town all right well ron thanks again for being here and uh, all the best of luck moving forward with everything and and uh and we hope 2021 will be a, a better year for all of us on the lanes, coaches included, than uh, 2020 was. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate what you're doing and, and sharing the knowledge out there with your with your podcast and keep up the great work.